ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Instant Classic Podcast. My name is Jay Sub. With me, as always, my brother, Emory Ogletree II. What's going on, Tree? What's good, family? Let's get into it, man. So let's talk about the NBA, man. A lot of things been happening in the league lately. Um, I just really, right before we hopped on this call, I saw that Trey Young and uh, what's the coach of the Hawks' name? Um, oh, Nate McMillan? Nate McMillan. They had a little dust-up um, in practice, um, a little argument that caused uh, Trey Young to not even go to the game, their last game, um, even though he's hurt, but he didn't even show up to the arena. But they saying that it was just a miscommunication. But evidently they had they had words um, during practice. Um, a lot has been going on. Um, the Kanye throwing Chris Paul under the bus uh, the other day. <laughs> um, no, but I, I'm not taking the words of a lunatic right now. I'm not either. I'm not either. But it just it just caused a lot of chaos just in the NBA. Um, we were talking about off air. We were talking about your your Lakers are are starting to turn that ship around. Um, do you still think they're gonna try to trade Russ, or are they gonna try to make some other moves? Here's the thing, you know, and, I, and I'm not I'm not gonna act like there's not a personal investment in there for me, but we all know that Russ is my favorite player in the league right now. He's been mm-hmm. that for a long time. But what I'm so happy about. And I tip my hat to Darvin Ham. No, he's not been perfect, but he's helped Russ find a rhythm. You know, I said it. You know, I spoke this into existence three, four years ago, long before Russ even got to the Lakers. I was like, Russ needs to play on a contender. Russ can play, you know, with LeBron, yada yada. You know, now he's there. I was like, this can work. You know. Frank Vogel, yes, he won that bubble championship. And yes, I'll always call it a bubble championship because that's exactly what it was. You know, you can say what you want. It's like the Spurs in, what was that, 99? Mm-hmm. That that title has to be looked at very specifically in terms of, yes, you won it. We will give you that. But it needs to be looked at a certain way. But it's something about in terms of like having the right voice in the locker room. The first year was a dumpster fire. You know how I felt about that. This year, we didn't get off to the greatest of starts. And it would have been so easy to throw it all on Russ. You know, everything was Russ's fault, which actually wasn't the case. If you know anything about basketball, you can actually be subjective. You know, I can look at LeBron. I can look at AD. I can look at a lot of things. But Darvin Ham helping Russ find his role. And even though it may be off the bench, just finding his rhythm, finding his place with this team, if the Lakers did trade Russ, again, it for me, there'd still be a part of me that'd be like, okay, fine. Because it's just not worth the headache for Russ. But I'm sitting here watching Russell Westbrook best. Since he started coming off the bench, you cannot tell me you have not seen the influence in terms of the impact he's had on this team. He's been producing the way that I expected him to produce since he got to the Lakers. Like, Russ could do that. I believe Russ could still do it in the starting lineup. But whatever. Ham wants to keep him on the bench. By all means, go and do what you do. Keep him on the bench. But you look at Russ's production. And I said the one thing about Russ I said when he went to the Lakers is this. For the first time in a long time, you don't necessarily have to carry the burden about being the guy. Yeah, you know, if we're going to talk about a big three, it's AD, it's LeBron, AD, and Russ. And in this case, if you want to say Russ is the third wheel, fine. 
even more so. That's just more freedom to play, which I think Russ is actually starting to see. This is like, yo, I can still just do my thing. Yeah, I'm not here with these two, but that takes more of the onus off of me. It allows me to relax and just do my thing. I mean, I sat there and watched Russ, not this past game, but the uh, I think it was the game uh, against Milwaukee. And he played, what, 29 minutes. And in, that, in those 29 minutes, let me sit here and pull, pull, the, uh, pull the stats up real quick. In the 29 minutes that he that he uh, played against the, the Bucks, this man went out there, damn near got a triple-double. 15, 11, and 7. Yeah. He was in, tw- in, tw- in 29 minutes. And dare I say, made the play that won the game when that ball was loose at half court. And when he doubled the, uh, at half court with Chris Middleton, getting the scramble, giving it to LeBron, who else seven for AD to you know, put the punctuation to go up by five. I was like, these are the things that Russell Westbrook brings to a team. Because I'm telling you, if Russ is in the game at that point, which I stressed on my Twitter time, I was like, you got to let Russ finish this game. I'm not worried about how he shoots. It's the energy and presence that he brings when he, he makes things happen. I guess that's one of the reasons, one of the reasons I love Russ because that's the way I was when I was a player. It wasn't so much about it was scoring, but when I'm on the court, I just want to make something happen. And that's what Russ did. So it's just like, I, I'm, I'm loving the way they're looking. I'm loving the way the Lakers are playing. I'm loving the way Russ is looking. If the if the Lakers were truly going to go ahead and trade him, to me, it would just be basically out of pettiness. Why would you mess with a good thing right now? Listen, these cats are rolling. And by a lot by a lot of accounts, we spoke about this on past shows. The Lakers could easily be above five hundred right now. The Lakers, as I see them right now, I truly believe are better than what their record is, which is ten and twelve. But I believe they're better than that record. I just believe circumstances, and of course, you no know, the absences of LeBron being hurt and AD for that moment. <laughs> this team could easily be above five hundred. They're finding their rhythm. I, like I said, I think it'd just be a stupid move, but again, it's the Lakers, man, and they kept Ron Polinka in charge, so yeah. It, yeah. It, it wouldn't surprise me if it happened. It, it would. I wouldn't do it, like I said, because Russ is, is just showing his value right now. But like I said, if, if he does, <laughs> after the season, like I said, Russ deserves being a contender, so if it's not the Lakers, and I wouldn't blame him because the headache just ain't worth it, go somewhere else, and, you, and like I said, we, we see that, we've seen that Russ can play that role. He can play that role. Mm-hmm. And still be productive. Still be productive. Now, I will say this is where our two teams intersect. Um, there's been a lot of talk on like the socials lately. There was a trade rumor involving Russ um, going to Chicago for DeMar DeRozan and Vucevic for Russ and then the Lakers' two first-round picks. Now, I'm going like, hell no. Um, because like, why? Like, that's 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 way too much for Russ. Like way at this, at this point, at, the, at this point, yes, dude, I agree 100%. That's way too much for Russ at like, this point's career. Like, like, because I, I forget who said it, it was like one of those NBA insider people, and then it was like, Who said uh-huh. no? And I'm like, Man, Chicago, like, everyone, everyone says no except for LA. Like, yeah, like, how you gonna give up your starting center and your starting small forward for like the other team's six man? I mean, and honestly, I agree 100%. But the only reason I see that Chicago would make that would make that deal, they blow it up, is 
Yeah, exactly. It's because, you know, it's like I mentioned to you after y'all obtained tomorrow. I told you at the time, I was like, your window's short. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, if you if y'all don't make it within this certain time frame, you know, it'll be all for naught. Now, obviously, this was before the Cleveland trade that obtained you know, Donovan Mitchell. So that really kind of, you know, threw the, dare I say, the balance of power to a you know, definite influx. And, I mean, who knows? I, I can't speak, you know, to the front office of Chicago Bulls. You have more insight into that than I do being a Bulls fan. But, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if, like, if I was just sitting inside, sitting inside the meeting room, if these cats more or less have been saying amongst themselves, like, yo, we just going to go in the towel because we're not going to make nothing happen. You know, you got Milwaukee. You got the Celtics. You got uh, – help me, who else, who else out there in the East is getting it in? Milwaukee, Celtics. Philly is still gonna be a threat because you got you got Joel and B. I mean, yeah, yeah, Philly will still be a threat. Cleveland, of course, you know, Atlanta, Indy. I mean, my point is to say this that even when you look at more or less the top three, I think Chicago's more or less saying that at best they don't see themselves going past the semis, which you know, as I mentioned to you myself, I don't necessarily see y'all getting past the semis. Like I said, not right now, unless right you know, like right right now, as y'all are presently constructed, the semis will be your best shot, and I would have to see who it is y'all play. I believe you give them a fight. Mm-hmm. I believe we. I believe if it was Milwaukee, Cleveland, or uh, the Celtics, I believe y'all give them a fight. Y'all not gonna get swept. But the bottom line is that more or less it would almost be, dare I say, more or less a waste of a year. And you still have you no know, young players. I mean, you still got Zach. Y'all just gave Zach Levine that deal. Mm-hmm. And the unfortunate part is, I mean, to you know, let go of DeMar DeRozan, who's been so productive for y'all, you know, and the Vucevic, who more or less has probably been one of your better centers since your dynasty days. Mm-hmm. You know, to let go of those pieces, it's just like, okay, y'all really you know, just want to blow it up and more or less start completely from the bottom. I'm not sure if you're trying to get... I'm not, I'm not. I'm not ready to to start taking for Victor. Not yet. Um. um I, but if you don't do it now, then you might as well not even consider yourself even having the snowball's chance in hell getting him anyway. I know. Even though I mean, nah, right, I, as of right now, I think they have. Uh, I forget what the percentage was because they have like the. I forget what. I forget where somebody had said it. They don't have a terrible position, but the only way they, if they're not top four, they don't even keep their first round draft pick. Right. So, I mean, it's just like, you know, what was that one year in the draft? Y'all had like a 1.7% chance Rose. to get the number one pick. Yeah, it was a Derrick Rose. Yeah. <laughs> I remember watching that lottery. And was, I mean, I was laughing. And I was just couldn't wait to give you a hard time. But I remember as the lottery kept just getting closer, I'm like, damn, the one team with a 1.7 chance of getting the number one pick. And here y'all end up getting it. I'm like, what? And then y'all being Derrick Rose. I mean, again, it's. Well, uh, to be in the position that y'all are in, again, you're not a bad team. But again, I mean, if we're, if we're just looking at the future of things, it's not like you're in the position of you know where I feel with the Lakers. Because like I said, you got an all-time great in LeBron and Russ and AD and everything else like that. But specifically with LeBron, as we get ready to see the curtain close on you know his historic career, like I said, if you're not playing for a title right now, Chief, then what are you playing for? Mm-hmm. Obviously, we all know you're getting ready to no, past the no, no one of my four goats, no Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Outside of that, if you're not playing for a title, then what's the point? You know, you really got nothing else left to prove. 
you know, I, I just feel like, you know, in the Chicago's case, it's just like right now, y'all just, this is just what y'all playing for. Y'all just more or less, you know, playing for respectability and just to be seen as a fact that, you know, at least we are a factor. You know, we're somebody to be, you know, respected in terms of, you know, we're one of the top eight teams in the in the Eastern Conference, one of the better teams in the NBA. Okay, fine, you did that. You know, but I mean, right now, again, I, I would just say keep it all together, but not for Russ, not for Russ, unless you're just, let's say you're just going to give it up. And even, like I said, even if they did, if they did a trade and Russ goes to Chicago, like I said, I just want Russ to go ahead and finish the year and just try to find themselves to get back to another contender, you know, again, let's say, because either way, let's say, whenever this year ends, and I truly don't believe Russ is going to go back to the Lakers anyway. You know, like I said, I, I believe LeBron's title window will be closed regardlessly, unless he does, <laughs> unless he does something that uh, my man on Twitter and I were, you know, kind of got a short conversation about. He was like, "How do you feel, LeBron, with the Golden State?" I was like, "If LeBron does Golden State, that'd be a worse looking KD." It will be. I was like, "I, was like, I, I don't, let LeBron go to Golden State. I, I don't give a damn if he won the next four titles. Like your 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 goat submission is just tainted, right?" We were not saying you're not a Hall of Famer. That's that, that's a, that is without question. But we talking about the greatest player of all time? Nah, no. nah, Chief. We nah, we, nah, we nah. are rescinding your application. Yeah, exactly. We we can't do that. You you better not go to the Warriors because then all we know, then we really know is all it is is a title chase. Yeah. Nah. I say and put it to you this way: if you did go, then you better believe Steph is in the conversation now too, and Steph would go above you in my book. Steph would go above you. And I say, we're not talking talent. That's what people get all mad and stuff. You take stuff over LeBron, I'm not talking talent. I'm not talking resume. I'm talking pound for pound. Right now, they both got the same amount of titles, and Steph can look at LeBron and say, I beat you more times than you beat me. Yeah. There's got to mean something. Like I said, we, we can't be picky about when we want to apply that to conversation and when we don't. You either stay on one side or you don't. So I said, man, LeBron better never find himself on Golden State. I, I will be ready to raise hell. Like, this, this is pathetic. It's pathetic, Chief. You could have gone anywhere else, but you can't go there. Yeah. You can't go there. You know, I was just kind of thinking, like, would I, would I pick Steph over LeBron, like, in, in terms of, like, ranking? And I think I would, just kind of being impartial. And that's because, like, it, it just depends on the perspective. Like Steph has got him. It depends on again. I think it's the, it depending on the perspective that you're coming from. But I said to me, I think when it's all said and done, when we talk about eras, this era to me should be conversation for years to come. Because when I think about eras in the NBA and like who defined those eras. My personal hero, right over my shoulder, the great, my one of my other goats, the great Bill Russell, rest in peace. His era is well-defined. Nobody will ever debate the Russell era. You call it the Celtic era all you want to. That's the Russell era. In the midst of arguably what people, some people still consider the greatest player ever played, the legendary Will Chamberlain, this man owned Will. Yes. That was his era. So then we move forward. So we went from the Celtic era and then what the next quote unquote, well, I guess you would call dynasty after the Celtics more or less wasn't really until the 80s. Yeah. 
You know, and then you got that. You got the Laker era. That of you no know, Magic, Kareem, Pat Riley, and all them. And of course, you know, we we all recognize Bird and them too. I mean, more or less, Magic and Bird owned the eighties. Yeah, that was that was their era. Magic versus Bird was the eighties. Yeah, it was the eighties. Then of course, you no, know, we 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 give recognition to the. I know you probably don't. But we get a little recognition to the Pistons. They went back to back. We, we allow them to chip our hat. Yes, we do. But yeah, you, you got your, we you get your hat. Nobody in the base the nineties was the Bulls era. Now we we have to give the Rockets their respect. Just like just like the Pistons. Mm-hmm. But no one will ever debate that the nineties was not the Bulls era, the MJ era. No one will debate that. There's no debate at all. Then we come into the 2000s, and like I said, for me, you can go either way. To me, I, I say it's the Lakers Spur dynasty. Mm-hmm. Lakers and the Spurs. Toby Shaq, Tim Duncan, Popovich, you know, all respected you know, to the Admiral, Tony Parker. So, but the bottom line, we recognize those two franchises. They ran the, 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 the early 2000s. Right. Now, LeBron was drafted in that era. We had one nothing. Not until what? Later. Mm-hmm. When did the twelve? The Heat won the no, the Heat won in what? 2010? No. Was it no, it was there before that. Twelve. Because they, they lost in eleven to Dallas. Right. I mean, but my point is LeBron went to the finals in the two thousand. But it wasn't his era. Yeah, with Cleveland. Yeah. He was a great player of during that era. You know, there was a lot of expectation hype on LeBron that he lived up, but he hadn't won a title yet. But here from the 2010s into the 2020s, I'll say to, to, to my grave, define to me the LeBron era. Define it. Yeah. And the fact is, like, if you want to be objective, like I said, and not just being a fan of the player, but just being objective. If you want to sit here and talk about his stats, his MVP, his production, nobody's debating that. Of course, LeBron is a great player. If we're talking talent, there's no debate. LeBron would be the GOAT, and there would be no argument to be had if we're talking purely talent. But the conversation is not about talent. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of cats who are talented in the league. But it's got to be more that goes into it. And I'll say it again, define to me where you ever saw the quote-unquote LeBron era. If you want to give him the 2010s, fine. But the fact of the matter is that he had to share it. And the man he had to share it with was Steph Curry. So you sit there telling me that if you wanted to take Steph, a part of me couldn't really argue with you. I'm like, well, he he's had his number. Yeah. LeBron had LeBron had his opportunities, which I always go back to what I said about him now at the Lakers. On this whole Mr. I hate to lose, what I call BS on. Dude, if you wanted to really prove to me that you hate to lose, if you're gonna beat that. Golden State team, KD, just one. I don't care if you lost them two other times. But beat them just once. To me, there's no other argument. Yeah, I mean... You, you put... Yeah, go ahead. But, see, here's the thing for me. Like, just to beat that Golden State without KD, it took him and Kyrie, like, playing at a level that none have seen before and none have seen since. Like, for three consecutive <laughs> games. And, and a suspension, yes, even though Draymond brought on himself. Draymond Green. Yeah, like I said, but, but let's, let's just be it, it, it just took a lot of different variables. Like, a perfect storm just came together. Yeah. 
and they, and they got it. I still believe they, if Draymond never gets suspended, they don't win. They don't win. I agree. Like I said, I mean, the bottom line is this. the 2010s, here we are into the 2020s. You, I don't care who gets mad. I don't care who doesn't like what I say. The bottom line is LeBron James doesn't have an era of his own. He shares this with Steph Curry. That's a fact. We're not talking player to player in terms of their talent. I'm just sitting here saying that, yo, this dude, he beat him without KD. He beat him with KD. And he has the same number of titles as this dude does in less finals appearances. What else do you want? That's what drives me crazy about supporters for LeBron is it's like you want to cherry pick and like cushion this cat just to make him appear in a conversation that, you know, others could actually make an argument and say he doesn't say the LeBron in. Agreed. That's what I'm very particular about when I talk about people who want to talk about the guilt. I meant what I said. If Curry gets one more title by the time LeBron is either still there or gone, I'm just saying we we got we we had to talk about the fact that Curry needs to be in the conversation. Because I can't keep LeBron in good faith, and this dude Curry has five rings and LeBron got four. Yeah, and they played at the same time. And he and he beat him. And he beat him. But a majority of his titles came on your watch. Right. I said, how can you how can you have an error and somebody's beating you more times than you beat them? I think I used the Lakers and Spurs as an example because you we saw we saw it up live and personal. These cats were going back and forth. Yep. When the Lakers winning it, it was the Spurs winning it. Spurs won win, the Lakers won it. Kobe and Shaq, Kobe and Paul, Tim Duncan and the Admiral, Tim Duncan and Kawhi and Paul, not Paul, uh, Ginobili and Tony and all them. Yes, we could throw in, though, the Detroit Pistons got their one. Who else snuck in there? I know I'm missing one. But, uh, Miami, you know, Celtics, Celtics uh, snuck in there. I said, but at the end of the day, it was primarily the Spurs and the Lakers. That's what I said. It's, you can call it the Kobe, Duncan. I'll even throw Shaq in there. You know, I'm just saying, Kobe got more. But throw Shaq in there if you want to. But the bottom line is that it's not one man's era. There's specific names of the 2000s that we put in there. But none of those three do we say are quote unquote the GOAT. And I'm saying the same thing for LeBron. How can you be the GOAT when somebody in your era has your number? Mm-hmm. They have your number. In order to be the GOAT, you got to win your era. That's what I'm saying. I mean, that's why I said what I said about this year. Like, Brian, you got to get one more. You got to get one more. <laughs> like and you great more as Larry Bird you, is, you, no one says he the GOAT because he ain't win his era. I mean, but, well, let's gonna get on that because there are those who try to make their argument for Larry Bird, but no. and I mean no disrespect to the great Larry. I love Larry Bird. No disrespect no. to the great Larry Bird. But we but we all know. We all know why that is. Yep. You know, but we, we all know but Larry Bird's top ten, but let's not even go down the road. The bottom line is that again, LeBron's gotta at least win one more. And I mean, more or less, you have to go through this man who who's just basically snatching and said, like, no, this is just your era, it's mine too. And Sume just be. Share this, it's you, mine. you share the stage with me. Huh. 
So you sharing the stage with me, Chief. I'm the only unanimous MVP in the history of this league, not you. And the only reason, <laughs> it's funny, as many excuses you get made for LeBron losing in the finals, no one really ever gives the Golden State Warriors a lot of, you no know, cushion in terms of the fact that what happened with their finals. Their bodies, they basically broke down. The entire Le- Legitimate excuses. Injuries hindered the Warriors from winning more titles. Yeah. Now take away the, you know, again, the 3-1 you know, drop. But I'm talking about those titles they lost when KD was there and mm-hmm. Clay got hurt. And KD got hurt. <clears throat> KD got hurt. Then all of a sudden you come back the next year, Clay still hurt. Steph was out most of the season. Draymond was down. They barely made the – they didn't even make the playoffs. They lost to the Lakers in the play-in. Mm-hmm. I believe the Warriors, if healthy, and last year validated it, they could have won more. It could easily be 5-4 right now. Yeah. You can't tell me that a healthy Golden State team wouldn't have beat Phoenix, let alone beat Milwaukee. Golden State's not giving up 2-0. Healthy. Unless, just like in Cleveland, Draymond gets himself you know, suspended again. No, let's say it's just too many, just too many variables, man. Let's say you, you, you could go with Steph Curry, and I'll put it to you this way. I wouldn't hate it. That's because I'm open to the discussion because there's just too many yeah. different factors that go into it that you, if you're just open-minded about it. I said you can't Pick and chew. We're not talking about just talent. The bottom line is that we we have facts that don't go off of. And I think the biggest fact is just again, if this man has your number, he has your number. Well, he had KD, so that's what makes the greats great mm-hmm. to overcome obstacles that seem almost impossible. So if, if he just would have won one of them, <laughs> there, there's no debate. Like the. <laughs> He could have had the argument. He could have had the point of saying, Michael, Larry, Magic, Bill Russell, Duncan, Kobe, Shaq, never had to face what I faced in the finals, let alone win. And all we could do is sit back and be like, good point. Good point. Yeah. That lineup right there, I would have put them against any era in the finals. Well, for those who would have been on the Eastern Coast. But I put that Golden State team up against any from any era. I put them up against the Bulls in the 90s. I put them up against the you know, the Lakers of the 80s. I put them against the Lakers of you know, Kobe Shaq. The, the Warriors. I put them up against all of them. And dare I say, actually give them a, a fair shot and be like, yeah, they probably could have beat them. I was saying they couldn't have beat um, the Golden State in return, but it'd have been fun to watch. Yeah, agreed. It'd have been fun to watch. Agreed. All right, let's transition on to prime time. He has left Jackson State and has moved on to Colorado. A lot of teams in the running. I know there was a a slight buzz here in Cincinnati there for a little bit, where <laughs> it was uh, you know people were thinking that there was a chance he could come here because. Cincinnati is the better opportunity than Colorado. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, Dion always going to do what's best for Dion. That's what my whole take on this situation was. Like, 
the moment he signed on to be a coach at Jackson State, I put him on the clock for as how long he gonna be there. Because you mean Dion told us a long time ago who he was. It must be the money. You know what I mean? <laughs> like we all knew who Dion was. And like I wasn't surprised that he left them. Um and just I'm I wouldn't even say it took this long. I mean, I knew it was gonna be at least two years because you can't just go there one year and then bounce. So yeah, it, it's 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 on par for what I thought was gonna happen. Were you shocked that Dion left? No, no, I can't say I'm shocked. And I think the biggest issue I'm taking is just you know, and particularly with black people, just sitting here trying to you know run Dion through the coals. No, acting like he, you know, betrayed the community or something like that. He didn't. We need to applaud and commend Dion, even no matter how short of a sin he had at Jackson State, for all the attention that he brought to HBCUs. Now, let's not get it twisted. No, Dion isn't the first to bring attention to HBCUs. There have been other greats mm-hmm. who had tremendous success at HBCUs. You know, the great, great Eddie Robinson. You know, we can never forget you know, about who he is and where he stands, not just in the history of HBCUs and college football period. Yeah. You know, and those Grambling State teams. But I just think for right now, for the impact that Dion had during his tenure, it's unfair to call him more or less a sellout. I, uh, I'm not sure if you saw the video he posted after they had just won their SWAC championship of him in the locker room talking to his players, mm-hmm. announcing that he was leaving for Colorado. And you no, know, during the during the speech, he said, you know, he said something along the lines of you either get elevated or you get terminated. And I understood what Dion was saying, but at the same time, I didn't a hundred percent agree with him. Because as I said, I mean, there are those coaches who you know stayed at one place. I said Eddie Robinson stayed at Grambling. Had tremendous success for yeah. many years, for decades. You no, know, there, there are countless cultures who've stayed in one place that you know success. You know, but I think in terms of what he was saying, if you're looking for the opportunities in search and such as what I feel that Dion's looking for, and as he was saying in his press conference in Colorado, in terms, of, especially as a black man, in terms of the opportunities that he's gotten, and hopefully will turn in. Expanding, creating opportunities for more black men to follow, and hopefully getting more head coaching opportunities. Mm-hmm. No, specifically on the college level, which you have to, which you have to respect. You know, you know, this whole thing almost reminds me of what is his name? Almost it does. It reminds me when I was in Charleston, and my college coach Jason G started getting, you know, a bunch of pub due to our success. And, you know, he, he had already, he was the head coach. And one of the things that, you know, people, you know, have been making light of or joking about is talking about, well, you can't take, you know, this culture, you know, with you to Colorado. You're not going to have this in Colorado, you know, the swag or whatnot. And my thing was, was more or less this. No, Dion is Dion. I believe the challenge 
is going to be trying to create the culture in Colorado. It doesn't have to be Jackson State. But it's, there's still a culture that Dion, the coach, believes in. He had a culture that he created in Jackson State. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, there, if that culture was already there before Dion Sanders, then Dion Sanders wouldn't have been needed. There was a reason why Dion Sanders got hired to become you no know, Jackson State's coach. Because clearly they weren't on the right track. And look what this man did in those two years. As I mentioned with my college coach, Jason G, when I got to Charleston, you know, my school hadn't done anything yet at the time, coming in as a freshman. You know, they they believed in what they believed in. We were trying to just, you know, get, get our names mentioned with certain teams in our conference who were at a certain levels of success that we hadn't even obtained yet. Never won a league title, never been to the NCAA tournament or, or whatnot. Fast forward, by the time my senior year came along, by that point, you know, well, even that, but by the time I was done, we had been to four NCAA tournaments, won multiple league championships, had multiple you no know, national rankings. Considering from where we started, mm-hmm. that was a culture that my coach, you know, had more or less created, a, a culture that I ended up buying into. I still feel how I feel about you know what I said about him after the fact, but that's a whole story by itself. But I'm sitting there in terms of Dion. When he goes to Colorado, I think we need to be gracious in terms of giving this man time to create that, to create that, to create that culture that he wants for his team. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, I think they're gonna be those people. You know, and it, it, you just—they're just people like that. Who's those haters who are going to basically just wait for this dude to fail? I mean, we're talking—he's going to a program that's had two winning seasons since two thousand five. Two thousand five—they've mm-hmm. had two winning seasons. So it's just like the bar is low, but at the same time, because of all this success he's had at Jackson State in these two years, they're going to be those who are like oh, we expect the media success. That's just idiotic. Yeah, no one has immediate you success. Have, you have to give this man an opportunity to you know, establish the culture, find the right players who are willing to buy into that culture, and let it grow. You know? Again, I said what I think what a lot of people are missing or missing the uh sign on is the fact of the matter, like I said, you you should want Dion. To continue to expand and expound in terms of his success. I mean, like I said, Colorado is not nothing that's to beat your door down. But it's not like he's going to Alabama. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's going back to the bottom Florida State. And this man's arguably the greatest athlete ever come out of the school. And they didn't even offer him the job when it was available. Mm-hmm. But we should see me sitting here just cheering on Dion. Appreciated for the fact that what he did, and I think as Emmanuel Acho from Athens One said, it now becomes a responsibility of the coach who comes behind Dion at Jackson State. It's not about doing it the same way Dion did, but it's about trying to you know maintain the same level of success, but finding your own way in how to do that. Agreed. No, let's say I'll be. I'll go back to Charleston. When I left Charleston, like I said, I, I told you all the success we had. In my four years, it was ten years before they even went back to the NCAA tournament. And that's even including my coach still being there one more year. 
before he went on to, you know, basically elevate to Division One. And in that time in Division One, this dude, ended up, well, I mean, he got a head coaching job. <laughs> you, you got, you, you basically saw how hard it is to create past success. He went up there and went well below 500 and is sitting as a Division One head coach. I said, success isn't guaranteed. And just no, like that, not. like Deion said, you either get elevated or got to get terminated. And his, in my college coach's case, more or less he got terminated. Because he couldn't replicate the success that he had during his time when I was playing. But in terms of seeing like you wanting Dion, give him that you no know, grace period of seeing can he you know, recreate the success he had at Jackson State. I said, applaud him, appreciate the fact of what he did, the attention that he brought to HBCUs in general, not just the SWAC, but just HBCUs in general at this time. Like I said, there are people before Deion Sanders, but Deion Sanders at this moment, during this, you know, during this time, you know, being the coach of Jackson State, what he did for HBCUs should always be respected and appreciated. <laughs> and let's say again, it, it's, uh, it's on the next person who comes behind him at Jackson State, and for those who are still at other HBCUs or coaching, that you know, try to take the blueprint and keep it going. Don't let it die just because Dion left. It shouldn't be about that. Let's say we're, we're missing the point. Don't call this man a sellout. He's just trying to help create more for people like himself or people in similar positions to get those opportunities and to make the most of them. I said, I, I have no problem with Dion. I say, Colorado is what it is. I said, but the bar to me is low. I said, I, I'd be hard pressed to believe, but we know how it works sometimes, even in situations where the program sucks. You know, especially because the black coaches are our market for errors short. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to think, you know, for for what Colorado probably offered Dion, he's gonna have he's gonna have an opportunity to be, you know, for opportunity to grow. But I said, I, I think that's the most that's the thing I'm looking most forward to is seeing how he'll be able to recruit and bring players in to come to Colorado. That's gonna be hard. I said, it's, you know, like I said, I mean, yeah, you Dion, you, we all know you Dion, we all know what you did, you know, you know, at Jackson State, but now, now here comes this next challenge. Like I said, you're going to Colorado now. It was not necessarily known for football. Yeah, I haven't had two winning seasons since 2005. Yeah. You have all the swag in the world, man, but at the end of the day, <laughs> these kids are going to be sitting there looking at you talking about, okay, but I'm trying to get here. And I said, I mean, I, I mean Dion is Dion, and I said, I'm, I'm just hoping the best for him. But I mean, but also just on the other side of things, this is why I also support players doing what they have to do these days. Oh yeah. As if you want to transfer and all that other jazz, I'm all for. It. I mean, it's just like again, it, it goes both ways. Like, so you want to talk about loyalty? Well, this player just jumped to the transfer portal and da 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 da. He's not loyal. Again, it's no different than being a player. Hmm. <laughs> you either get elevated or you get terminated. Like if a coach can leave, a player it, should be able to leave. Exactly. That's, that's why I feel it, it goes both ways. Like I said, to, to know what I know. Out the door. Even for all the success I obtained in Charleston, if I could do it all over again, oh yeah. 
I didn't have to do it. But no, this didn't work with me. I know what I bring to the table. Let me find a team that actually better suited for me to go do my thing mm-hmm. and bring success there. Because I believe wherever I go, success is going to follow me too. So, I mean, yeah, I, I congratulate Dion, but if anything else, it just reinforces the fact that, again, I'm I'm all for these players. If you want to transfer because you feel you get a better opportunity somewhere else to you know, expound on you know, your talent and your possibilities of going to the next level, do it. These coaches can do it. You should be able to do it too. Yep. I it's agree. all business at the end of the day. Agreed. It's and all I'm business also at the end of the day. Looking forward to see how he recruits in Colorado because it's a lot easier to get people to come to an HBCU. I mean, I can just take them to the student union. They can look around and be like, yeah, yeah, I can see myself here. But Colorado, <laughs> that's, a, that's a tougher sell. Well, that's a tougher sell. Uh, well, yeah. But also, I mean, I think we also need to consider, also consider the, uh, uh, the people that you're also recruiting. Mm-hmm. It's easier to, you know, more or less recruit to an HBCU, but I mean, more times than not, I mean, you're more or less recruiting people that look like Dion. Mm-hmm. And they're basically recruiting mostly black players. You know, I, I was you know, talking to my wife the other day. You know, it never crossed my mind about going to an HBCU, but I said, it's not that I never would have not gone to one, but coming out of high school for me, I was like, I, look, I'm just looking for somebody to pay me to go to school. That was my biggest thing. Had an HBCU can recruit me, no, come out of Wynn Woods? Hell yeah, would have looked at him. You know? I sure would have. Yeah. But I think now with the stage being slightly bigger and now in terms of the uh, in terms of like, you know, the majority of what you'll be, lo- you'll be looking at, I say, again, the approach just definitely has to be different. It, it definitely it definitely just has to be somewhat different because you're you are more or less on a bigger stage now. You're not just expand, expanding to you know primarily black players. You're gonna probably, you'll start recruiting white players. You're gonna start recru- recruiting you no know, Latino players, or Asian players, whatever. You're gonna be recruiting all anybody and everybody. And I'm not not saying that he didn't just probably do that at Jackson State. I'm just sitting there saying that now the stage is just much bigger. The stage the stage is much bigger. But like I said, I mean, but with, with what's coming right now, and like I said, with <laughs> With no real success, but the only real success coming in to the next year is you. Yeah, <laughs> you are the success. <laughs> you you are the success. You know, like I said two two winning seasons since two thousand five. I know I've repeated that you no know, constantly, but that's just a fact. You know, like right now the only selling point would be Dion. Yeah, that's what they got you know, him for. And- <laughs> they got him to be Dion to get eyes on the place. And you know, I, I said this on my timeline. I think the most interesting thing, the one, the first thing that came to my mind was when it when it came to Jackson State was the players that Dion brought in this past year. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just curious as to what Dion told them going into the season. Now I don't know. I'm not trying to accuse Dion of anything, but I was like, no, Dion was just. No, straight up by twelve o'clock, because like I said, it's not like this is anything new. No, people have been looking at Dion. Now, if he told no recruits, I'm not guaranteeing I'm gonna be here your entire time here, but you know, while I'm here, I would love to coach you. Then, hey, at that point, like I said again, being recruited to go play is one of the first quote unquote adult decisions that, that you know, a player will ever make, whether it be male or female. So if he told them no, straight up, like there's a possibility I might leave. 
But, you know, I'd love to have you play for me for this year and they still chose to go there. Cool. But if he didn't tell them there was a possibility, <laughs> I mean, I, I, it, it would still be somewhat messed up. But again, but that that's where the business part comes That's in. how the game is played. You know, I said that, that again. So, I mean, but, but I say that to say for those players who probably just, you know, went to Jackson State, like I said, I, I, I don't blame people for, so for some people having animosity for Deion Lee. But I think I, it'd be more so for I wouldn't blame the players. But those who probably just came in for ha- holding some animosity, if they didn't, if no, more or less, it wasn't told to them that he might leave. Mm-hmm. You know, like if they just more or less, you know, just found out, you know, like after the you know, post game, or if they kind of found out mid season or whatnot, you know, again, you, you just got to do what you got to do at the end of the day. You know, but like I said, but aside from but, but like for the people who are just hating because the fact they feel like you no know, Dion's just betraying the black community. Let's say again, that's that's not the case. Dion's not betraying the black community. Yeah. Let's say if anything else, let's say he's just trying to again create more opportunities for someone to come and follow and just to again validate and reaffirm that we can do the same job that these other coaches, i.e., white coaches, can do if given the opportunities. If you think Deion Sanders' last stop is going to be Colorado, no, you're, then you're, then you're very nice. You're, yeah, you'd, you'd be a fool. I'm, I'm, I'm believing that Deion will more will find success at Colorado. Now, I mean, I think a lot of people you know probably get lost in the fact when I say success. I think that it just depends on. For me, success is based off of number one, where you're starting from and where you end up at. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we can all say that well, you didn't win the national championship. Well, that's a tall tale, but still, I mean, you, I still can't just take away from the fact that I didn't win a national championship from take away from the success I had. He just has to make them competitive. Yeah, and like I say, and, and be and be consistent, mm-hmm. and like I say, and like I say, and like I say, be consistent and just continue to just grow. Like I say, I mean, it'd be great, but I mean, but those yeah, also consider some of the fact that certain things are just out of Dion's control to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. You know, Dion could more or less go undefeated, but depending on the scheduling, you know, doesn't necessarily mean they'll get put in the CFP. You know, and at the same time, you have to be realistic when they're putting together these schedules. Okay, I got to play teams that you know, I feel that my teams will be competitive with. But at the same time, you want to give them opportunities to play against some of the bigger schools. Well, who knows? If you can pull off an upset here or there, that's great. You know, um, uh, I'm not sure you've been following the uh, women's college basketball, but uh, there's a the new head coach at the University of Virginia, women's mm-hmm. basketball team. Mm-hmm. She went to school with Michelle, my wife, and the job she's doing over there, I've been putting on my Twitter timeline. She Virginia needs to be ranked in the top 25. She has been doing a hell. This team won two games all last year, and right now she has them eight zero. Oh yeah. She has an A note. Again, I was gonna say it just it's a testament to again the culture she's starting to create at this program. I said this program just won two games last year and they're eight and old now. Again, it starts with the coach and the vision that she has and hopefully you know, buying and having the players who are willing to buy in and get going from there. You got to. And I believe Dion will do that. I said you're gonna be gracious. I, again, I don't sign me. I, I know I brought the Virginia uh, 
example, and it's her first year, but I'm not going to do the same with Dion. Again, this is different sports, too. You know, I said, but I'm going to be gracious. Like, okay, give Dion some time. Let him get his players in there. You know, get his feet set, and we'll see what happens. But I said, but if you only had two winning seasons since 2005, I mean, you don't have much to bark about. You don't. You, hey, you, don't, have much, you don't have much to bark about at all. <laughs> so so if, De- if Dion goes 500 next year, y'all better you know, get this man his flowers. Right. <laughs> he probably gonna ask for uh, a pay raise. Hey, for real, hey, give me give, give me the keys to the uh, the university jet. <laughs> oh man! So let's jump to our last topic, and that is the I don't want to know if I want to call it a controversy, but you know the LeBron and Jerry Jones uh, situation, where LeBron in the press conference um, kind of chided the media for not being asked about Jerry Jones the way he was asked about Kyrie. Um, My take on that is they didn't need to ask you about Jerry Jones. Like, you have no connection to Jerry Jones. My take was Kyrie was a, a teammate of yours where you won a championship on. Like, there were rumors that they were trading that you that your squad was potentially trading for Kyrie this year. This is why you were asked about Kyrie. You have personal hand experience with Kyrie. Like your only connection to Jerry Jones is that you were a Cowboys fan. Like that's it. We don't need to talk to you about that. They asked Dak about Jerry Jones because Dak, that's you know, that's the guy who runs Dak's team. They ain't asked Dak about Kyrie. You know what I mean? That was my take on it. What was your take on that situation? You're not wrong. I'm just not. I just. I'm just not with you. I don't want to say I disagree with you. I just look at it differently. I applauded LeBron James for saying it. I think he was absolutely right. From the standpoint of LeBron, more more or less gets asked about everything under the sun because he's LeBron. I mean, you think about a lot of the social stance he's taken over the course of, of his career. I mean, think about this dude has been brought up on Fox News, that whole shut up and dribble situation. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's what he said wasn't wrong. And I th- and I wish he would have expounded on it a little bit more because it's, it's not like LeBron doesn't for, you know, hide or pretend not to be socially aware, socially involved. It was absolutely a, a fair question. But that's what I wanted to keep. I wanted to keep it at the question. I think the thing that did bother me is that when from people on the outside who are so quick to you know jump on the bandwagon and be with LeBron, yeah, 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 why aren't you asking about that? And then they try to compare the situation. See, that's what annoyed me. Mm-hmm. See, I'm not trying to compare the photo to what Kyrie did. See, to me, the, the, those are two separate things. You can't, You can't compare them. But I can compare in terms of how the approach of the media and how they're you know, addressing or, dare I say, choosing to promote the story about it is being handled. Absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, why, why wouldn't you ask him? If every other question... LeBron's been asked questions about outside of basketball before. It's not the first time he's been asked about it constantly. And no one brought up the fact of asking about Jerry Jones. 
And I think he's just more or less pulled, you no know, media, the media's car to a certain degree of the same again. Like he said, keep the same energy. The same energy that you put into Kyrie Irving and this entire situation, you know, putting out you know, all these stories about him being anti-Semitic or hype, you know, hypothetically anti-Semitic and what he refused to do and what the documentary said and what it did. You know, he's like, I want the same energy here. I, I wish he would have brought Brett Favre. I still don't feel believe. I still don't believe Brett Favre gets enough attention. I still feel he's hiding somewhere in his regular jeans. Yeah, still trying to get out of that long. If he was an active player, it would have way more attention. The fact that Brett Favre's been retired for years, like if this was Aaron Rodgers and not Brett Favre, it would be a bigger deal. It's the fact that maybe Brett so, Favre but, is retired that it's I mean, not. But, it ain't getting the, the maybe that may, is. maybe so, but I mean, but I think it still just reaffirms what what I'm saying and what in terms of supporting what LeBron what he said. Where's that same energy? Now, I agree with that. No, the, the way the media you know, portrays like a black person doing something wrong and a white person doing something wrong, it's always been skewed. Like that's and, and, that, and that's what LeBron and that's what LeBron is saying. It's just like, yo, you know, active or non-active, let's be real. Every no, every story, Antonio Brown is not an active player right now. And that dude can't stay out the news. I just saw a headline what the other day talking about how he's at a standoff with the police. Antonio Bryant's been on the field in like two years. Yeah, but it wasn't blown up to the point where um, I think the Brett Favre situation got more played than the Antonio Brown one did. But did it really, though? It did. Yeah, see, I, I, we have to agree to disagree on that one. I mean, it's just like only thing we were, only, to, to the degree of hearing about Antonio Brown is how I thought the, the degree I thought I've been hearing about Brett Favre. Talking about the text messages how he allegedly you know, had stolen, stolen money from these different stealing from the state of Mississippi, which is the poorest state in the country, you know, to funnel into his own pocket, even though he said he was supposed to be trying to build a new stadium for the, you know, his daughter's school. I think it's his school that he went to himself. Again, I mean, it's, it's just the vibe in terms of what it, was, what it was given. And I think, again, I said that's what LeBron is saying in terms of the fact of keep the same energy in terms of when you know, whatever was done wrong on this side was specifically by a, a black person. Why is the same energy being thrown up here? Now, for me, let's like say again, I'm only, the photo to me only does so much. To me, it's just a precursor to basically future actions that follow. You know, your boy Jay Williams, you know, was on ESPN talking about, you know, he needs to denounce racism. See, for me, he doesn't need to do all that. No, if... Jay, I, people look, who get angry like that, I know they didn't read the article. They saw the picture, but they didn't read the article. Like, well, I mean, well, I mean, well, I said because I read some excerpts. I mean, to listen to Jerry Jones, we we spoke about this on the last episode. Mm-hmm. You know, to sit and say, you no, know, I was curious. None of us really knew what was going on. I mean, again, it, it to me, like I said, it, it was just words. But it didn't surprise me that he said it. I don't, I'm not going to get into why, whether I believed it or not. But these are the words of an 80 some year, an 80 year old man talking about what happened to him 60 some years ago. It's more or less what I expected him to say. Because based on his, his demeanor, based off, again, the actions I've seen of him, you know, closer towards this age, rather than because, I mean, I, was, I wasn't born back in 1956, 57. Mm-hmm. But I'm sitting here saying, I mean, but for your presence to be there, for the um, Little Rock Nine, 
whether you are aware of the magnitude of the situation or not, like I said, the thing just more or less always seems to be the same. That was in the photo, that was a mob of the mighty of white people, more or less trying to trying to obscure to interfere with the <laughs> Little Rock Nine and get into the school for that school to be integrated. You were there. Now, I'm not going to get into the details of what you did, what you said. We don't know. Mm-hmm. We just see you standing there. Then you flash forward and then you got to go. I said, you can go from Colin Kaepernick and where you stood with that. And that's well beyond you being 14. You made your you made your voice be very well known. But you talk about your track record in the sense of how you've never hired a black head football coach. Mm-hmm. Okay, you you did the you know bare minimum. Rooney Rule says you just have to interview him. Okay. Mike McCarthy stayed at your house. Um, was it Marvin Lewis didn't? <laughs> whether you whether you want to admit it or not, if you can't if you can't see it, it doesn't seem like this. There's like a little there's a thing right here. One man interview for the job stayed at your house. The other one just stayed at the hotel. And 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 the, like I said, and the same similarities keep coming up. That it just seems like when it comes to black people and Jerry Jones, in certain situations, especially if we're talking about and more or less in the terms of progress. Jerry Jones seems to be the kind of guy who stands on the sidelines. As he said in his own words, you know, I'm not aware of the magnitude of the situation. Okay, I can give you that maybe for 14, but not you're damn near 80 now, Jerry. You can only, you know, play hide and go seek for so long. Before it's basically whether <laughs> being silent is saying something. Mm-hmm. It's true. <laughs> being silent is saying something. And another thing that Emmanuel brought up, which is also true. I mean, this man is worth billions of dollars. This man has a lot of <coughs> sway. There's a reason why we probably haven't we haven't heard from a lot of other people, i.e., former cowboy players, current cowboy players. You don't think this man doesn't have his hand in something? Just make sure that he doesn't get you no know, portrayed as a racist in the media. Oh, Jerry, Jerry Jones ain't no fool. He didn't, he didn't get to become a billion, become a billionaire by being a fool. Nope. He is a very intelligent man. You know, so I mean, it's just like, listen, so for, for me, listen, I stand with LeBron 100%. I'm not going to compare the actual actions of Jerry Jones, even though listen, it's a picture of him standing there with a mob to Kyrie Irving, because that's not the point. The bottom line is just in terms of, you know, the accountability held on Kyrie for his actions, we can put together basically just based off Jerry's history from the photo up to his no current actions as a grown man. That seems to be a common theme that you just look at Jerry and be like, well, Jerry, don't you, do you yourself not see why people would you know, think of you to be like this when it comes to the progression of black people? I mean, all you got to do is just hold up the facts. Like, this is what you said. This is what you've done. And it just be it just be a thing of what where I, you know, where I more or less had to disagree with Jay Williams when he's talking about you know, uh, Jerry Jones denouncing racism. My thing was this: I was like, okay, let's say he does, but what if he doesn't say it the way that you like it? Yeah. 
See, that's the thing. It's like, you know, you, you want people to say a certain thing, but then if they don't say it the way you like it, then you still get mad. Yep. So it's just like, okay, well, you wanted them to say something, but they said it, but they didn't say it in the way that you liked it. So now you're still not happy. It's kind of like what I said about Kyrie and that initial apology. I, I mean, it's not apology, it's BS. And, then, and for me in general, I'm just like, look, no matter what apology comes out of his mouth, for me, it, I'm just saying, speaking for Emory Ogletree in a second, for me, it's not going to be worth a damn anyway. I just think I always find it to be fake because I'm just going up this dude's track record. Mm-hmm. He can say what he wants. To me, it's just not really going to be worth a damn. That's just me. Well, you can feel differently. You could have felt that his apology was genuine. Then that's you. <laughs> just don't try to come over here and try to convince me otherwise. So I mean, the same. So if it's going to be like that, and if you got what you wanted, and he sat up there and said it, but I said, but then if he doesn't say it the way you know that you want it to be said, then then what? Yeah. But yes, LeBron. But yet, but yes, LeBron is right. More more energy needs to be put into, in terms of the balance of how we choose to cover, you know, the stories of individuals who put themselves, you know, in certain position, certain situations where in the light of you know, public perception is not seen as a good thing. It just so happened that this, this you know, particular example, which was just used to more, to more or less you know, magnify the fact that Jerry Jones has never hired a, a black head coach. Again, to me, it's just all about just putting, putting the mirror to Jerry's face and just being like, where do you actually stand? in terms of how you feel, in terms of the progress of black people in general, not just in the NFL, but just in general. Yeah. And then basically you just sit back and you wait and see what his answer is. And that would be 100% fair. And and just like anyone else, and just like anyone else in life, if you call someone out, you know, just in general, whatever they say, they're going to say. (laughs) You know, so it's up to you to decide whether or not you take it. You want to believe it? Fine. If you don't believe it, fine. I've had people look at me, you know, had conversations. Maybe we had a disagreement, whatever. I said what I had to say. At the end of the day, if they didn't like it, I just put my hands up in the air like, look, you just don't like it. I made me know. I brought my college coach. Long story short, a teammate told me, well, he said to tell you I'm sorry. I was like, man, I don't give a damn about this sorry. What the hell is this sorry doing for me now? Right. <laughs> what does it do for me now? He could have saved all that. It doesn't do a damn thing for me. So I mean, those words don't mean anything. At the end of the day, no public. Your opinion on whether it be a subject or a person. At the end of the day, nine times out of ten, nine times out of ten, maybe eight, your mind's already going to be made up. Yep. That's how people work. That's what I'm saying. It's true. Which is why, again, I, I, I try to be as factual as I can be about, you know, a disagreeing with someone. Because your mind's already made up. Why am I even trying to explain myself to you if you're not going to really truly be open to what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. Most people aren't open-minded. Yeah, yeah and, I'm, and I said, and for me, I'll speak up out loud. There's really nothing Jerry Jones could say to me or say out loud for me that would basically change my perception of Jerry Jones. I'm not saying Jerry Jones is racist. I'm not going to say he's racist. 
But I do believe that Jerry Jones lives comfortably in his complexion for the protection. Mm-hmm. You even, can't, if you don't, even if he don't know it. I mean, but it's not just Jerry Jones. I mean, I can say about a lot of more, more or less white people. Yeah. If you're just comfortable in, in the lifestyle that you live, the comforts of being you know, who you are, then <laughs> there's really not much I can say. Yeah. I had a conversation with a guy years ago, me and this other brother. We're just talking about being pulled over by the cops. And while we're talking, this white woman behind us sat up there and told us to stop being so overdramatic. And we turned around and looked at her like, excuse us? Oh, it's not that bad. And me and the brother looked at each other and we looked back at her. And I was like, ma'am, with all due respect, you can't speak from our perspective because I'm sure you've never been in the situation that we've been in. Where it's literally life and I was and like, death. exactly. Exactly. I said, like, but you here you are, you already have your mind made up. So here I am telling you my truth. But your mind is already made up because you've never experienced the experiences I've had. <laughs> and I believe that's Jerry Jones. Mm-hmm. To be in the position that he's in, he can have a lot of influence on a lot of change. And I'm not saying that he's never helped black people. Obviously, he's helped black people. But I mean, but let's keep it, let's keep it a buck. You got a service that you paid for, but at the same time, they made you money as well. But wasn't that you were just doing this out of the kindness of your heart? Nope. You were getting something out of it. In the moments of, like I said, during the protests of <laughs> Colin Kaepernick, and eventually, you know, the Cowboys more or less got to you know, get involved with it. But initially, Jerry Jones let it be known. And as I said in our last episode, his whole purpose was completely off base. They were talking about the flag and disrespect, and the protest had nothing to do with that. Yep. Because he, he wanted to say, like, Exactly. Again, it's about, like you said, not being aware of the situation, but dare, dare I say, as an old man, having lived the life you've lived and coming through the eras that you came through, at this point, we just call that negligence. Almost, i.e. ignorance. Mm-hmm. You chose not to know what the situation was truly about. You chose not to be open to realize what you no know, these you no know, players who are predominantly you no know, African American black on your team are talking about. Let alone try to actually feel what it is that they're dealing with. Yeah. Just like with this photo. You don't have to go far. He just went to the locker room. Have somebody. And just like with, and just like with Dak Prescott, <laughs> you can ask these players whatever, man. And like I said, at the end of the day, I again, I'm not expecting anybody to really go out on a limb and really speak their truth. Like right now, I bring my college coach a lot because again, I went through a situation, the situations I've gone through. You can ask me my honest opinion about my college coach, and I give it to you. I, I wouldn't care. It'd be my honest opinion. You could have asked me when I played. And I still would have gave it to you. Mm-hmm. Especially then, but I was going through it. And I still would have done it. Because I was just that upset during the, what we were going through because of what I saw. Now, if I would have got punished for it, fine. But it would have been the truth. But now we're talking about guys who are getting paid millions of dollars by this man 
Dak Prescott was a bum. No, just a bench player. Shouldn't say bum. But a guy who doesn't play a lot, that guy could probably be scared. But Dak Prescott, the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, I mean, dude, you already got your guaranteed money. Yeah, he got protection. You just spoke out. Exactly. You got a little cushion. But you still chose to say what you said. You more or less played it safe, which is understandable. You know why? Because this man pays you that money. I feel like there are certain players that, again, but then there's just a certain sense of loyalty. That's why, again, it just comes back down to the media of, again, just keeping it a buck on both sides. Agree. Don't let it just always be black individuals when they do wrong. They get all this magnification, you know, because they don't even have to necessarily be on the field. We all remember how the Mike Vick mm-hmm. with the dog fighting case. And he's still getting railroaded for that even now. He's done a lot better. He's done a lot more since then. That's the first thing people always want to bring up. But like I said, but we got stuff going on, whether it be from the photo of Jerry Jones to his actions, the follow after the photo. And like I said, Brett Favre on top of that. I mean, <laughs> let's see if we keep it another buck. We we just we was right here in the uh, news the other day. John Kitten's son. Yes. Arrested on child pornography. Now the story got put out there, but you're not really hearing much about it, right? Yeah. Outside of that, he had, he had backup though. If he was the starting quarterback in Florida, I think he would have had a little bit more. And if Florida was actually good, um, it would have a little I mean, bit more legs. And have you seen him? And his name is Jalen. I I got questions. I mean, but I can also sit and go to the tragedy in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Nah, and we saw how much media attention that got. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, LeBron wasn't lying. Keep the energy equal. Keep it. I said that, that was the biggest thing. I said I'm not comparing the actions because it doesn't make sense to compare the actions. It doesn't make sense. But in terms of the different. coverage, yeah, exactly. But in terms of the coverage of these stories and how they are delivered to the masses, keep that same focus and that same energy. All the way around. All the way around. I'm with it. Anything else you want to say before we wrap this episode up? Oh, I got nothing, man. I said my, the Lakers won again. We are two games from being 500. I, I, I'm feeling better and better about my prediction. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. It's coming to, it's coming to fruition. I'm telling you. <laughs> All right, Ray, go ahead and drop your socials. Yes, sir. As always, I am at the T H E M C G as in go O D as in David I V as in Victor A at the Nicodiva on Twitter. And I am at J Sug at J A Y S U G G. Also on the Twitter. And until the next time, we out. Later.